In the last chapter, we discovered how Jim became a pilot, and we also saw the beginnings of Nazi Germany and Italian fascism. Chapter Four: Escape in Italy. During the morning, both men went to the airfield and met Roberto, the other pilot, and a friend of Hans. Their main goal was to convince him to either split the company or follow them to America. Hans and Roberto owned a transportation company and two planes. The problem was that Hans didn't fully trust Roberto. He was still a very mysterious man. According to Hans, Roberto would deeply support Mussolini and in fact was a very well-known anti-Semitic back in his village. The discussion became heated. Roberto and Hans asked Eugene to go and they stayed talking for almost five hours. Eugene stayed smoking around the airfield until Hans came out. He looked tired and disappointed. As he approached, he said, Bad news. It's not going to do it. After lighting his own cigarette, Hans continued. He'll take the big plane, I'll get the small one, the Piaget too. Soul craft. The conversation continued, and Hans explained to Eugene how Roberto owned most of the company. In fact, he was the owner of the Piaget 23, the big plane, and also the sole legal owner of the company. The big problem for Hans was the overall lack of money and the fact that, as a company, they were done. All of a sudden, Hans was started from scratch. And what was worst, Eugene's job hours had been cut by half. By the time they left the airfield, both men felt sick. Their plans were shattered, and what was worst, their lives have changed completely, especially for Eugene. Being a pilot in Italy back then resulted in very high income. The problem for him was that he didn't save a lot and he didn't accumulate enough during the last years. All of his savings have been taken by his mom's breathing problems and his dad's funeral. His mom was getting older and she could only bake once per week. The years of open-generated smoke had caused her several breathing problems. She was always sick, and Eugene was always forced to get her expensive medicine and expensive appointments with the local doctor. When they arrived to Hans home, they went straight to the kitchen. Hans sat for a second, smoked a cigarette. Both men were quiet. After a couple of minutes, Hans stood up went to his bedroom and locked himself inside. Eugene barely noticed it. He was too tired and concerned. After a couple of minutes, Hans came out. He was holding a box. As Hans sat in the table, he looked excited. He opened the box and started searching for something. After a couple of minutes, he stopped and suddenly said, I got it. The UK and then the US. Eugene was still lost and asked Hans what he meant. Hans replied, I got a friend in Bristol, England. We just need to get there, but we need to go now. Eugene was still lost. Then Hans showed Eugene the piece of paper he had taken from the box. 
The paper contained a name and an address in Kingswood, Bristol. That's where my friend is, Hans said. He's a fellow pilot. He left Germany a long time ago when the whole Reichstag fire happened in 1933. He was Jewish. His family business was vandalized and he had to flee Germany. He can help us. I'm sure, but we need to go now. We can take the plane to France and then go across the channel. I have done it twice or three times. I think we can do it during the night. After he finished, he grabbed a bunch of cash from the same box and left it in front of Eugene. All of a sudden, Eugene stood up. He was still confused and he started asking questions. How about crossing the border? How about paperwork? How about my mother? The plane won't fit us all. Hans kept looking at the paper and said, this is the only option. Without a license, we can't do anything. We need to go. I need to go. The kitchen got quiet again. Eugene went to smoke and Hans went back to his room. After a couple of minutes, Hans came back. He said, we can send her through France. I mean your mother. We'll meet in the UK. In fact, why don't you meet me in the UK? You can go with your mom through France as well. I'm sure we can get a cheap ticket. Eugene didn't hesitate. He agreed. He wanted to go as much as hands, and he wanted to keep everyone he cared about together. Eugene said, I'll meet my mother tomorrow. She's stubborn, but she will follow us. So it was agreed. They had to save some more money and work out the details of the trip. Eugene had to save a lot more, and Hans had to sell his flat. It was midnight when Eugene left for his house. He was tired, but a bit more enthusiastic about the whole thing. He just wanted to rest. At 7 a.m., Hans was already on the way to the airfield. He would wait for Eugene to come. At 8 a.m., Eugene was already on his way to his mother's house. As he arrived, his mother received him as usual. As she approached to give Eugene a hug, she started to cough. It was a very dry cough she had had in the past. Eugene immediately picked up on that and asked her if she was feeling all right. As they sat in the small kitchen, Eugene's mom called Sophia started to cough again. She was sick again. She had gone to the doctor two days ago and had gotten some medicine. She was weak and pale. Eugene tried to cheer her up, telling her about his latest flights, even though he hasn't flown lately. He lied, but it worked. Sophia was happy to know his son was doing well. After some time, Eugene dared to tell her his plans. Sophia was not surprised. She knew her son and had seen his reaction at Christmas when they unpacked their gifts. Although hesitant, she agreed. Sophia didn't know anything about the United Kingdom and even less about America. But she knew that Italy was becoming a different place. Fascism was coming, and conflicts were about to happen. The plan was set. Eugene and Hans met during the afternoon and planned on going to France and then to the UK in May 1939, just a couple of months later.
Hansinger Jane managed to get her operation license back in February 27, 1939. By then, TRF was mainly used by military airplanes. In fact, Eugene recalls two times when VF-109s would arrive to the airfield from Germany. They were training. The German pilots would often sit and talk with Hans. After getting their license back, Hans and Eugene struggled to get some work. Roberta had moved to the south and was working from a smaller airfield near Milan. Eugene and Hans were the only civilians working from the airfield near Inveruno. Every once in a while, they would get a full plane. More often than not, they had to fly on severe weather. That was the only kind of flies available for them. It actually took longer for them to save enough money to fly and go to the United Kingdom. By April 1939, Eugene, Sophia and Hans were living together at Hans' flat. They had sold almost everything and had agreed to keep the flat as the last resource. Everyone's hopes relied on getting to England. But getting there was not easy. The plane was old and unreliable by that time. Most of the money they earned was spent on new tires for the plane. They had to overhaul the plane twice during the last two months as well. May came, and with that, more bad news for all of them. During the latest flight, the plane had suffered a severe engine damage. The plane was grounded and the plans shattered. During the last months, Eugene and Hans' relationship had gone bad. The pressure of their job and their hopes to get to England had separated them. The last accident, which happened when Eugene was flying, made things worse. They would barely talk. And Sophia had tried to talk with them, but it was impossible. May 5th, 1939. Eugene woke up as usual. He was sleeping in a small sofa next to the kitchen. As he woke up, he saw his mother crying next to the window. He stood up and saw a small note next to the table in a box with some cash. The note was from Hans. He had left. The letter read, I need to get there. I'm running out of time. I'm not even sure my friend is going to be there. I can't be responsible for the two of you. I wish you all the luck in the world. I left all the money I had for you and your mom. Please take care of yourself. I need to go. Try to get to England. You know the address. I'll be in Kingswood, Bristol. Please come. It was at this time that Eugene understood he was not going to see Hans or the plane anytime soon. He remembers hugging his mother and preparing some coffee. He reassured her and told her she could get a job with Roberta down in Milan. He went to Hans' room and saw it empty. He realized that Hans had had enough time during the night to pack everything. After settling with the idea that Hans was no longer part of his life, Eugene got a ride to Milan during the afternoon. He got it from a very young guy called Giacomo. He was very outspoken about his anti-fascist sentiments, but smart enough to remain unharmed. On the ride to the south, Eugene shared his problems with him. Eugene didn't realize that he was talking with one of the first members of what was about to become the Italian resistance movement. Giacomo would soon become friends with the famous Italian partisan Alfredo Sforzini. As they arrived to the north of Milan, the two men stopped in the local shop to get the regular afternoon espresso. 
Giacomo and Eugene were very good friends. In just a couple of minutes, Eugene explained Giacomo's dilemma. Eugene was venting his issues. He never told Giacomo had answers to all of them. Giacomo's work was taking everything available to the ports in the west of Italy, from where they could be transported to America. If the money was good, he would also transport families trying to flee Italy and expected backlash against Jewish people. Giacomo's job was limited to find the right transportation and deal with the sailors for space in the boat. Therefore, he offered a deal to Eugene to get both his mother and him out of Italy in the next couple of weeks. The stop for espresso became a full-day endeavor to figure out the details of the trip. According to Giacomo, the transportation would usually go to the Canary Islands in Spain, and from there, they would head to America. Some boats would have to stop in the Caribbean while others would go to South America, in particular, Brazil. The big issue was finding the right transportation. Most of the ships to North America were full or very hard to get on. Trips to South America were easier. Eugene and Giacomo discussed for the full day. They decided to stay in the car for the night and drive to Giacomo's friends in the morning. As the morning started, the two men drove to Genoa, a port in the north of Italy. When they arrived, Eugene had to stay in the car while Giacomo walked around to meet his friends. After just a couple of minutes, Giacomo arrived. He said, There is actually a transportation next week. A lot of people are going. Actually, there are two. One boat is going directly to America and the other one is going to Brazil. From there, they will take you to North America. Eugene immediately paid Giacomo for the transport direct to North America. It was all great. Giacomo received a small fees, and two men drove back to Inverona. As the car pulled out next to Eugene's house, or hands flat, the dust of the street went up and filled the kitchen where Sophia was standing. When Eugene opened the door of the kitchen, he saw his mother coughing again. She had visitors. The priest and one of the nuns were speaking and drinking some coffee. Sophia looked at Eugene and told him to sit. His mother always sounded hesitant about the trip. As she started to talk, Eugene's worst fears became reality. His mother didn't want to go to America. She argued that she was old and fragile for a boat trip to another continent. She said how she would become a burden for her son and that no matter what, she would feel better at home. The priest and nun supported her and promised Eugene to take care of her. She was an old woman and the priest had traveled enough around the world to understand the hardships of traveling, especially on those boats. It didn't help to hear Eugene's new plans, which involved weeks of traveling, probably to South America. At the end of the day, everything was decided. She was going to stay in church, Sophia would work in the garden and help with everything else she could. Eugene was sad, but the priest managed to convince him. The next couple of days were busy. Eugene wanted to leave everything settled and create a series of plans and locations to meet his mom if everything went wrong. He knew his trip to America may take a couple of years, but he was confident to come back to Italy and find his mother. 
The church was very respected, and by then, nothing bad had happened to any member of the Catholic Church. Moreover, his mom was loved by the town. The week went by with a lot of visits, some visits to the church, some dinners with friends, and walks with his mother. Everything had to be secret. The trip to America was kept in secret and camouflaged as a trip to the South to get some employment. The last night, Eugenia and his mother stayed talking until late. She went to bed around midnight. Eugene knew that that was the last time he would see her for a long time. In the morning, on a Friday, the trip began. Before he left, he grabbed almost all of the money he had and left it in the table with a small letter to his mother. The letter was long and would tell of how much he loved her. At the end, he wrote the name of two cities he was expecting to leave in the U.S. if he could. He wrote New York and also Philadelphia. When Eugene and Giacomo arrived to Genoa, there, a small boat was waiting for them. The crew didn't look that friendly and the boat was smaller and older than imagined. It was a family of Jewish Italians taking the boat. They had paid much more than Eugene and were allowed to basically take all of their possessions with them. On the other hand, Eugene was only allowed a small bag and three bottles of water as recommended by Giacomo. As Eugene approached to, to the old captain, he gave the money and the captain had sat and explained the trip to Eugene. Giacomo had left already. The trip was simple. They were going to go to the Canary Islands first, then Jamaica, and lastly, Florida. Food and water were provided by the crew. As Eugene didn't pay enough, he had to work a bit on the boat, cooking and cleaning every once in a while. It all happened very fast. The family of Jewish Italians were already inside. Everything was cramped together, and Eugene's place was right at the back of the boat in the starboard side. The boat was used to transport olive oil and truffles from the north of Italy and Switzerland. The boat sailed around 1 p.m. They had to stop somewhere in the north where they would stay for a couple of hours and then sail to the west with the cover of the night. None of the passengers went through passport control or any kind of control. They were effectively illegally leaving Italy. The Jewish family was composed by two kids and their parents, which were in their thirties. The kids were not older than eight. As the night approached, the boat sailed west. That was the last time Eugene saw Italy in a long time. The first day or two were simple. They were sailing and eating. The family and kids were well fed and helped Eugene spend time and forget about the fact he had just left his mother. As Eugene narrates the story, he explains that not much of the trip stayed in his memory. He remembers small bits of information, but everything he remembers is bad. After a couple of days, the food started to get worse and worse. The captain and three members of the crew kept most of the food locked inside a container. They would have enough food for everyone, but they made Eugene and the family pay more and more for food and water. After a couple of days, the family was desperate. There was one occasion where the father confronted the captain after one of his kids was hit while trying to reach a rotten apple from the container. Eugene understood that the captain and crew were not as nice as they thought. In the face of the father, the captain hit him with his fist, and the two other crew members came immediately to hold the father. The beating was hard, but what was worse, it was the 
done right in front of his kids. From that day onwards, the captain and crew locked the passengers, Eugene included, inside a boat. The wounds of the beating were bad, the feathers started to cough blood, and after a couple of days he couldn't stand up, and he could barely talk. After just a week, he was dead. By that time, Eugene was suffering as well. Besides being constantly sick, the food was mainly some bread and vegetables, not enough food for anyone. Eugene had to run out of money, so the crew's only commitment was to keep him alive. The next few days were kind of a blur for Eugene. He remembers being laying in the small corner of the boat and being taken care of by the mother of the two kids. He also remembers vividly the mother's crying during the night. By the time the day arrived at their final destination, Eugene was malnourished and sick. He had to be taken out of the boat by the crew members and was left to the locals to take care of him. Apparently the crew paid some money to a local store owner to get Eugene back to good health. Eugene was happy to be back on solid ground. The trip is horrible, and what was more, all of his possessions were stolen. The first thing that he remembers was waking up in a small room. It was very hot, and people speaking sounded very strange. Eugene had learned just a little bit of English from Hans, but this accent was very different. He couldn't get anything of what they were talking about. The reason was simple. He was actually not in the United States. His real trip will start from here. In the next chapter, we will discover where Eugene was standing. And also, we will hear how was his first experience with the military.